Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. <clears throat> Amen. Well, it's uh, obvious to me this morning um, that uh, of what the Lord has kind of firmly told me to preach, because uh, I was kind of wondering... This whole week, as I've been seeking the Lord as to what He would have me to preach on this Sunday, it's just, it, it wasn't there, and it wasn't coming, and, and even as, up to yesterday afternoon, I still didn't know what I was going to be preaching, and, and uh, even with, with much prayer and much seeking the Lord, and, and it was just confusing to me, and, and, and I've been there before, but I didn't really know why it was so hard this time to figure it out, and, and uh, something that I've never done before, and I don't say this to boast at all. It's just something I, I don't do and don't have any intentions of doing unless the Lord speaks otherwise is preach the same message twice. And last Friday night I spoke at a youth rally they had at Bethel Baptist and, and I was just, I was preaching um, to them on about witnessing Jesus Christ to the people who need it the most and people in our schools that are unsaved. And just really... Uh, stressing on the importance, according to the Word of God, to the young people last Friday, um, how vital it is and how we are called of God to go, and you can run past me, I won't bite you, to proclaim Jesus and to let His light shine through us, amen? Like how vital it is. And, and then uh, yesterday afternoon, how, how, many know, how many know it's easy to know something is right it's easy to know what we're to do and what God expects us to do, but many times it can be really tough to actually apply it. Amen? Show me your hand if you know that. It's the truth. Why? Because we're human. It doesn't matter if you're a minister. It doesn't matter if you're a McDonald's employee. It doesn't matter what you do or who you are or how old you are or how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter because you're living in the flesh. And that's why the Apostle Paul stresses walk in the Spirit so that you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? Lust of the flesh isn't just sin. It can just be not doing everything that we know Christ is called to do. And even practicing what a preacher preaches can be tough at times. I've come to learn many times, if not every time, that when I preach Sunday morning or somewhere else to youth, that very week I'm face to face with the very thing I preached. And it's like, why, God? He's like, of course he's going to do that because he wants to see if I'm actually preaching, you know, believing what I'm preaching. If, I, you know, if I'm actually willing to do what I'm preaching to others to do. And there's been times where I've failed in that. Quite a few times, to be very frank. My name's Matt, but to be very frank with you this morning. And yesterday afternoon, I, Rick's, yesterday afternoon, my wife and I went to Tim Horton's drive-thru and I got my coffee, and when we, were at, when we were up getting our coffee, we saw these two young people, a, a young man and a young woman, and they had all their bags with them on the grass, and with um, um, sleeping bags, and they were rough and tough looking. They looked, they looked like they're very much so into drugs by the look on their face. Um, their, their appearance was, you could tell they were homeless. You could tell that they felt hopeless. Okay? And I'm sitting there, and my wife and I both see them there, right in front, sitting by themselves. And this is maybe six days, or excuse me, a little over a, a week and a day after I'm preaching to young people about going out. 
Because we're called of God and sharing the love of Jesus and shining the light of Christ to people in darkness. This is a week after I just preached that, and now I'm getting my coffee, out with my family, enjoying my Saturday, and I see them, we mention them, we say, look at them, oh, it's sad, I say, it's sad, it's terrible. And I drive on by and I drive away. And the next thing you know is my wife and I start talking about it. And next thing you know, the Spirit of God starts talking to me about it and convicting me very, very strongly about it. And my wife said, something, said some things to me, which I deserved. I don't understand you, Matt. And all of this was coming at me, and I felt like junk. I, felt, I said to my wife, Cindy, I am a hypocrite. I don't ever want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to preach one thing and not do it. I don't want to say one thing and not perform it. Amen? Amen. That's hypocrisy. And of course, I want you to know that I don't live a life of hypocrisy, but because I'm human, I have days where I might not fulfill what I expect others to do or I preach to others. Are you with me? Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, I failed. I just straight up failed. I missed an opportunity to, to love them with the love of God. This morning in the prayer room, Pastor Jim and Levi both prayed individually that it's all about reaching out with the love of Christ to the people out there in need. Rick and Amy, in their announcement, it's all about taking it to the streets. It's confirmed that I'm to preach what I preached last Friday today with some adjustments for those of you who were there last Friday. But I failed and we went home and I felt just terrible because then I start thinking, what if no one tells them? What if they were to die and no, and I didn't tell them about the love of Jesus and that Christ could set them free from their, from their hopeless state? What if they died? What if they died and went straight to hell and I had a chance to speak life into them? And all these things, and of course we have to understand that the enemy is speaking things too. And you need to shut those things out and rebuke them in Jesus' name. But we need to listen to the rebuking and chastening of the Holy Spirit. And I was very much aware of this yesterday afternoon. We went home and we were going to make lunch. I said, Cindy, this is maybe 45 minutes later. I'm like, please, maybe they're still there. Just because, I, I, maybe they're still there. I said, Cindy, I got to go. I raced up to Tim Hortons and they were gone. I drove around Walmart, all, all around just different areas. And, I, and I, I felt terrible. I felt so bad that I missed an opportunity. Especially after just preaching it to young people. And so I want to talk to you this morning again. <laughs> And it's obvious that the Lord's trying to hit this home in my spirit, amen? And I want this so badly, but it's amazing how these feelings and, and distractions and, and laziness and all these different simple, such easy things can come in and, 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 and we just pass on by, amen? So you and I this morning, we need to hear from the Lord this morning. I most certainly, I got to heed this. I, every day I got to wake up and say, Father God, if I see people, if I see opportunity in front of me, don't let me walk away. Let me say, you can say, what do I say? How do I do it? I don't know. I'm, I'm not big enough. I'm not smart enough. All these different excuses, but just go. Just go. And Jesus says that in that hour, I will give you the words Amen. to speak. Amen. Amen? Dave Wilkerson, I read his book, The Cross and the Switchblade, about a year ago, and it just stirred me up within my heart. And Dave Wilkerson was uh, maybe in his, I think he was around 25 or 26, he, he, he and his wife were pastoring a church with a young child out in 
Pennsylvania, a country church. Things were going well. The building, they got this new building. People were coming in. It was growing, expanding. They were comfortable in this nice little country church. Dave Wilkerson said he had no intentions of going to New York City. Maybe someday just to see the, the um, buildings and the Statue of Liberty and then boot it on back to Pennsylvania. He wanted nothing to do with the big city life. And one night... In his prayer time with the Lord, he just felt the need to open up, I believe it was a Time or a Life magazine, back, at, I, back years ago, in the 50s, I believe this was. And he opened it up, and there was an article that struck him. It was just one of those, you know how in courts they have the people that draw the people out with pencil? There was a pencil sketch of seven young boys, I believe it was, who committed this crime. They brutally murdered this young teenage boy in Central Park, I believe it was. And he reads this, and, and how many of you know that you can read articles like that in the paper today, here on the news, and it just does nothing? I, it's true, right? Because we're so used to it. Every day, people are murdered and stabbed in Toronto, out in Afghanistan in the war. And it doesn't phase us because we're so used to it. Right? And so it's very easy to read past some articles like that. That's just how it is, unfortunately. And God needs to deal with that within us. But this article stood out. And the Holy Spirit came over him. And out of nowhere, he starts weeping for these young guys. He doesn't even know. But he knows that they're in court for murder. They brutally ganged up on this young teenage boy. And so he's sitting there in his comfortable little office, and the Holy Spirit whispers to him, I want you to go and help those boys in New York City. I mean, how do you expect to go to a city of that amount of people to help seven boys who you've never met before? How are you supposed to do that? And so he said, okay, Lord, I'll go. And he fought, of course. And so he and another fella went to New York City, and, and, and they, they stayed in a hotel, and their plan was to go to the, the courtroom where the hearing would be for their trial, the, the first one. And, so, and he's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's just going because he knew the voice of the Lord. And he goes to New York City, and he and his friend line up in the lineup to get into the court. I guess you could watch them do their hearing or whatever. And so they got in, the last two seats, they got in, and they're sitting there, and they see the seven boys up front, and they're, they're going through their trial. The judge is speaking to them and going through it all. And it all of a sudden came to an end. And he was wondering, Lord, am I supposed to just interrupt the courtroom? Am I supposed to say, hey, excuse me, can I talk to these boys? Can I take them out for lunch and talk to them? Jesus told me to come. People would think he's crazy. Anyways, that's exactly what happened. He didn't know what to do. He's like, God, I know you told me to come here to help these boys. They're going to leave out that back door and then I'm never going to see them again. This is my only chance. So he stood up and he, and he made a, 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 a scene and he's just like, I need to talk to these boys. And they got security and they took them out. And, and he's like, God sent me these boys. There's hope for these boys. Let me talk to them. And of course, of course, he was thrown out. And they drag him out, this young 25 skinny preacher. He was like 115 pounds. He, would always, he always jokes about that. But he, and he's being dragged out, and he has his Bible, and, and, and of course the press are all there, and, and the security guards are bringing this, this man out, and he's holding his Bible. And one reporter goes to Dave Wilkerson, hold that Bible up, preacher man. Are you ashamed or something? And so he held his Bible up, and immediately they took a picture. Uh, and it looks like this crazy, you know, his hair is probably all over, because he's like, you know, so intense. And, and, and that's it. And he's like, Lord, I have just failed. I just missed the mark. You told me to come. What is up with this guy? They drive all, I think it's eight hours back home. And he's there for maybe another week or two. And the Lord says, go back and help them. He's like, what is up, God? He goes back. He's like, how am I? He's just trying to obey God. Amen. Sometimes you got to do that. You have no idea what he's doing. 
And they go back to New York City, he and his good faithful friend, thinking he's probably kooked. And, and they, they drive finally into New York City. And next thing you know, the, the Spirit of God says, stop, pull over. Just in the middle of this road, this kind of this bridge overpass. He says, pull over. And, he's just, and he gets out and he's like, just wait here. And, and, he, and he just starts walking. He just knew that God told him to stop. He just starts walking and out of nowhere, hey, preacher man. Hey, preacher man. He turns around. There's like a group of five or six gang members. Come here. And, and I, like, I'd be like, oh, God. They weren't the boys, but they were another gang, part of a gang. And they called them over and they said, aren't you that guy, that preacher man that's trying to help my, our buds in court? He's like, He's like, well, I was there a couple weeks ago. How did you know? You're all over the front paper of New York City. And so God used this crazy situation to, show, to get him favor with the gangs that, that were partnered up with these gang members. Okay, so now he's got all these gangs who are buddies with him because they knew he was trying to help his, their boys. Are you with me? And so God, this picture was all across millions of homes, millions of people across New York City now knew Dave Wilkerson because of a photograph that was just messed right up. And so he went there, and, he, and to make a long story short, you should read the book, it's incredible. And he just continues to be led by the Spirit of God. And next thing you know, he's brought, he's brought face to face with all these gang members. And he comes across this fellow named Nicky Cruz on the streets. And he goes up to him and says, Nicky, Jesus loves you. He was the meanest gang member in, in all of New York City. And Nicky says, go to hell. I'll, I'll cut you to pieces right here if you don't shut up. And Dave Wilkerson says, you can cut me to a hundred pieces. And every hundred of them will say, Jesus loves you. And that man was saved, and now he's preaching the gospel to millions of people. Some of you may know him, Nicky Cruz. But my point in saying is that Dave Wilkerson is such a prime example of just saying, God, these people need hope. There is only hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? And, a, and there's a story in the Word of God, I shared it last Friday, of the Good Samaritan. We all know it. But this man, this innocent man was going from from Jerusalem, or Jerusalem to Jericho and he's, and he's beaten up and left down, dead to die and, he, and he's beaten up and, and, and they steal all of his money and, and next thing you know he's just there he's going to die and he has nothing and, and he's in this hopeless situation he's broken and battered and next thing you know this, this quote unquote pastor or this priest comes this man of God so called man of God comes and he sees him from a distance and he knows he's hurt he knows he's busted up he knows he's in great need of help but he sees him from a distance and he runs the other way because he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He doesn't want to get a bad reputation. He doesn't want his friends to see him helping this poor, helpless, beaten up man on the ground. And next thing you know, a few moments later, the, a Levite comes, another man, so-called man of God. And he comes and he sees him and he goes up to him and he sees the state of this man. He sees how much work it would take to help this man. He sees how much time and effort and strength and money and energy it would take to help this man. And he didn't want anything to do with it. He came a little closer than the, than the priest, but he continued walking on by. And a few moments later comes a Samaritan, and he races up to him, and he goes and bandages his wounds up, and, and puts oil on his, on, an ointment on his, on his wounds, and he's doing all he can, getting blood all over him, sweating. He's doing everything he can, maybe ripping his shirt off to use as a, to stop the bleeding. And he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to the hospital. He says, I'll pay whatever dollar it is. Take care of this man. Make him well. I'll come back tomorrow to make sure he's fine. That's what God has called us to do. And Jesus, this is a parable Jesus is telling. And he goes to his disciples. He says, now tell me, who did the right thing? Who is the good neighbor? And they said, well, of course, the Samaritan. He says, yes, now go and do the same. 
Jesus has called us, just like the disciples, to go out to the streets, just like Rick and I are going to plan on doing with this ministry. God bless you for that. Just like Dave Wilkerson did. Just like I failed yesterday to do. God has called us. And it has never been more real. And I've never been more fired up to do it now. Because God is obviously stressing it to me and to you. Amen? Because it's time. There's not much time left. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And those drug addicts, those homeless people that I have passed on by, if they die without Christ, they're going to hell for eternity. It is up to you and I to go out and to love the unlovely, to, just, to help, to pour our lives out to the people who have nothing. Amen? And Father, in Jesus' name, I want to do that. I want to be that man. Amen? I want to be that man. Break me down. Keep breaking me down till I'm nothing. I think too much of myself. I'm so consumed with me and my family and my schedule and my cleanliness. Forget that, Matt. As Pastor Mike said, we need to learn to die to ourselves. Amen? It's true. And I need that. I, I am so full of pride and I'm so selfish and I'm so greedy and I'm so wicked and sinful. I need to die to myself. Amen? It's true. And so do you. We are all sinners. We are all fall short of the glory of God. Amen? It's true, guys. We need to face the facts. Without God's grace, without God's empowerment, if I went to those young people, they may have rejected me, but at least I went. At least I obeyed Jesus. And I told the Lord, God, he, he's, I, believe he, I believe that it wasn't His will, but I believe He's using this for His good. He's using it to open my eyes even more. Because, man, it's worked. That conviction I felt yesterday. And so Jesus says, you go, you go and you do the same. You be that Samaritan. You get that blood and that stink and that stench from them. You get it all over you and you love those people. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. The last thing, the very last thing, get this. The last thing that Jesus said before leaving earth and ascending to heaven was what? Be witnesses of me. How important must it be for us to go out and be witnesses? And we've all done it. I'm sure we've all have spoken Jesus' name. I have. Don't, don't think that I just pass everyone by and I'm such a... Whatever. But Jesus says, the last, He didn't say, you know, love, love people, pay your tithes, go to church, you know, wear nice suits. He didn't say, just be friendly. He said, you be witnesses of Jesus. Be witnesses of me. Let people see Christ in you as you go about your life. I'm leaving now, but be witnesses of me. Amen? Jesus has called us to be witnesses. Now the question is, why is it such a rare case? Why is it so lacking in the church today? Because it is. Many people are faithfully out there preaching the word and witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many people are. But the majority of the church aren't. The majority of church folk and, and churches and ministries today have been so caught up in, in their own little group in what they can attain. It's true. And, 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 and it's times like these in my own personal life and even church life that God is trying to, trying to, he's wanting to keep this church out of falling, far away from falling into a, a four-walled little ministry, amen? He wants us to stay reaching out. He doesn't want anything to prevent that, any circumstance to change that. He's called us to go out and to be witnesses of Him. And so it's like, why is it not happening as it should? Well, I looked online and, there's, and, and there was a, a website, Christianity Today, the top seven reasons why people don't 
witness is this. They're not smart enough. They don't want anybody to be mad at them. They don't want to be made fun of. They don't want any, um, or this, they don't see anybody else doing it, so why should they? I'm not a very good Christian, they say. They say, everybody I know is a Christian, so there's nobody to witness to. And the last thing is, I don't know where to start. These are all, these are all excuses that I've used many times. I don't have time. I'm not smart enough. Who am I? They're too scary. I'm too weak. Blah, 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 blah. It's all these excuses. And that's the reason why people aren't going out and being witnesses as they are. Um, according to, um, to many uh, sites online, I, I looked up approximately 150,000 to 200,000 people die every single day. Every single day. Today, in 24 hours, about 200,000 people Christian and non-Christian, people will die today, okay? And, and the question is, how many of those people that die today are going to heaven with Jesus? How many of those people have been born again, cleansed by, by the blood of Jesus, their sins have been forgiven, they've been faithful to God? How many of those 200,000 are Christians? The, the, Barna research, the Barna Christian Research Group uh, has done research and studies that in America, this is just America, but I guarantee it's North America as well, in America only 5% of adults are professing evangelical, Bible-believing, born-again followers of Jesus Christ. 5%. There's many religions, there's many people that go to church, but only 5% of adults profess Jesus Christ as Lord. In America. Five. The other 95% are scattered all over the place. 4% of teenagers in America are professing Jesus Christ as Lord. The other 96% are out there so deceived and just going all over the place, scattered all over the place as well. So how many of those 200,000 people that die today will go with Jesus in heaven? Amen? It's true. And these are facts that we need to understand. And these, when we understand the reality of people dying all around us globally, maybe in this city, in this nation, how many people die, that causes us to reach out even more. Because tomorrow is not promised to us. Amen? It's the truth. Jesus says, you go. You go and you do the same. We are called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. In the book of Romans, you don't have to turn there, Romans chapter 10, Paul has such a great burden for Israel. And in verse 1, I just want to read this to you. This is what Paul says. He says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Not that they find a cool church. Not that they feel good. Not that they excel in their jobs. Not that they find a good mar a woman to marry or a good man to marry and make a good family. But that they will be saved. Amen? Do you know it's God's heart, it's God's desire to raise up men and women in this city that look at people in Aurelia and it's their desire that Aurelia becomes saved, that Aurelia gets saved, amen? Paul's burden was that Israel is that you may be saved, that you may receive Jesus into your heart and you will, you will experience the forgiveness and the freedom that I experience, Paul says. That's my desire, that's my prayer for Israel. That's my prayer for Aurelia. Amen? All that matters, people. All that matters. The reason why we're here this morning, the reason why the Aurelia Life Center is open, I said this before, it's all about souls. It's about people. And, and many times I fail, I, I just get caught up in the ministry work. I get caught up in the, in, in, in the making programs and the planning events and all these things. And I forget that it's about people. 
Whether it's one person, whether it's one million, it's about souls being one for the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what it's about. That's what church is. That's why we're here. So that we can be equipped and take it out. Amen? So that souls can see our good works, the light will be shining, and they're going to glorify their father, our Father in heaven. Amen? That's what it's all about. It's about souls. Nothing else. And so often I forget that. It goes on to say in verse 9, this is how it happens. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? That's the message they need to hear. That's the message the world needs to hear. Just believe on the Lord Jesus. Call upon Him from the depths of your heart and He will, he will flood over you. His Spirit will change you, renew you, and you will be saved. Amen? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You'd be like, well, how can I go out there and just have someone call upon the name of the Lord? Just go out and give a cup of water. Go out and spend time. Go out and just talk to people, as Rick was saying. Just go out and meet and greet and love people. Meet ways, if there's needs that people have, meet those needs, and the love of Christ will be shown through that. Amen? And people are going to wonder, what is going on with this person? Why are they loving me so much? And then we can say, because Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ loves you. There's hope. There's a plan for your life. Amen. And then they say, I want this Jesus. I want this Jesus that you have. If they call upon the name of the Lord, people will get saved. And verse 14 says this, How then shall they call upon the Lord if they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Amen? Not just talking about the preacher behind the pulpit. You and I. How are people going to hear about Jesus Christ if we aren't speaking it? If we aren't talking about it? Everyone in my workplace knows about Jesus Christ. And some despise me for it. So be it. I got this old middle-aged, above middle-aged German man who we get along, you know, at times, but don't talk to me about Jesus. I talked to him about Jesus. The other day he was kind of cursing and getting angry. I said, it's okay, my Jesus loves you. <laughs> you know, so yeah. But we need to talk about him. We need to show his love. We need to let people know that there's hope. What is, why are you so happy? Why, you can be going through junk and, and so much hardships in your life and, and yet you still smile all the time and people know it, you're unsafe family. How are you so happy? How can you smile? How can you make jokes in this time? Because of Jesus. Jesus lives within me. He saved me. I'm heaven bound. Is that an old song? Yep. I'm heaven bound. Maybe you guys can sing us something. It's true, amen? The world needs to hear. They need, desperately need to hear about Jesus Christ. We can love them. We can give them money and food and all these things, but they need to hear about Jesus Christ, amen? I had an old friend of mine. Two weeks ago, he came up. I haven't, I haven't spoken to him in uh, two and a half years. And I was at work two weeks ago. The Lord said, call Johnny. And so on my break, I called Johnny. He, he picked up his cell phone. And I said, Johnny, man, it's Matt. How's it going? I haven't talked to you in like almost three years. And how's it going? And he said, oh, it could be better, man. And immediately I knew something was wrong because he's always just a fun kind of guy. And, and I said, well, you know, what's going on and stuff? He's like, well, we can talk later. Call me tonight. That was it. I called him because I knew I had to. And, and I know it was the Lord because of what he was going through. So that night I went home and called him and we talked for 45 minutes and he, and he was pouring his heart out to me. He, he, he and his girlfriend three years ago had twin baby girls and the girls are now uh, three 
and uh, about just a month ago at the time, they, they broke up. This was heartbreaking for him. She wants nothing to do with him anymore. She's putting up a fight. He doesn't see his girls as much. He's so confused. He was adopted at the age of three. He says, Matt, every day I wake up and I'm so depressed and I'm so angry at my parents who gave me up at the age of three. He's 27 and he says, I can't let go of this. I can't seem to get over this rage that's in me every day, Matt. And that's what's causing this problem. Because I'm so angry at, at, with my girlfriend, she wants nothing to do with me now because she says, you need to get yourself right before you can have this relationship. And so his life is just messed right up. And he's telling me this and he starts to weep. This big black homie G looking guy, 27, starts to weep on the phone. My good friend. And I, what do I say? Back in the day, three years ago, when I wasn't... I wasn't where I am with the Lord today. I would have said, oh, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. Just, you know, just hang in there, man. But I was just listening to him. And I'm like, what do I say to him? I mean, what does he need to hear? He doesn't just need to hear it's going to be okay. He doesn't just need to hear that, oh, she'll get over it. Or, you know, you know, all these, keep going to see that doctor or keep taking the pills. He told me he's, he was in the hospital for a couple days with severe depression. He's on pills. He's talking to a therapist once a week. That's okay if it's, if, if, it's working for God's glory. But he told me all this and he's broken. I said, Johnny, all I can tell you is that Jesus Christ is your only hope. I said, that's it. There's no other hope for you, John. I said, I've, I've come to know that. All I have, Johnny, up here in Aurelia, I've learned it. All I have, all my wife and I have, all our family rests upon is the hope of Jesus Christ and His love. He's changed me. He gives you joy. He gives you peace. Johnny, you can be going through so much hardships and trials and tribulations. And with Jesus, everything's okay. And I told him that. And I said, can I pray for you? And I didn't just pray a simple prayer. God, you love him. I rebuked the enemy in Jesus' name. And he's sitting there probably thinking this guy is a mess. But I prayed and I took authority over this spiritual oppression over his life. And I didn't know what he would think. I didn't know. I just did it. I told him the truth. I didn't beat around the bush. I didn't water it down. I said, Johnny, you need to give your life to Jesus. There's no other hope. Doctors won't help you. Pills won't help you as Jesus will help you. They may, they, may, they may cover up the pain a little bit, but Jesus Christ will wash it away. Hallelujah. It's true. I told him. Hallelujah. A few days later, he called me again. And he was even more broken than before. I said, Johnny, you need to come up here. It was the weekend, the long weekend we just had back then. And, and Labor Day. And, and so he came up on Sunday. He stayed the night. We had a fire Sunday night. He really respects my dad. They used to work together a few years back in Kitchener. And the, uh, the next morning, Monday morning, uh, we had breakfast together. And, and I'm thinking, God, you've got to do something here. He didn't just come to have fun and have a fire and to eat breakfast and have coffee. There's something more to talk about the good old days. There's something more, God. You want to you save his soul, Lord. And so he, 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 he comes and, and we're eating breakfast and he starts talking to my dad finally. And, and finally my dad says, Johnny, you know, how are things? And, and he starts opening up to my dad and he starts weeping on the couch beside my father. I'm, I'm busy with the kids. Mom and Cindy are walking around. He, he does, he, he's so broken that he doesn't be like, let's go somewhere private. He just starts weeping on my couch when all of us are around because he's so broken. And my dad's like, Johnny, do you want to call upon the Lord and be saved? Do you know you need God? He loves you. We've told you that he loves you. He said, I want, I want Jesus. I want to call upon his name. So my dad called me over. We went and I laid my hands on him. 
I said, Johnny, I'm not going to say, repeat after me. You're going to call upon God yourself, but I'm going to pray for you first. And I said, Johnny, I, and I, I said, God loves you. Father, reveal yourself to him. Father, pour your love upon him. And I said, Johnny, call upon him now. He didn't do some extravagant prayer. He wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? But he starts, he starts weeping. He says, God, help me. I want to be happy. And that was it. And he's weeping. And the Lord saved him that moment. It was real. It was sincere. Johnny was saved. Why? Because we told him the truth. We told him, Jesus is your hope. And I talked to him a short while ago, and he's doing great. We gave him a Bible. He's getting into the Word and stuff. And we, and we need to stay in touch with him. So he, he, he does makes right choices. But what I'm saying is that God has called us to tell the truth, to reach them with Jesus, not beat around the bush any longer. There's no time for that. Amen? Why don't you turn to your Bibles quickly to Matthew 9, please. <clears throat> Matthew 9, starting at verse 35. And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, Preaching the gospel. He was just preaching the gospel. The straight up truth of the kingdom of God. Amen. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. Jesus is out there. He's preaching the gospel of, of the kingdom of heaven. He's healing the sick. He's cleansing lepers. He's doing the work of the Lord. And he, as he's been doing for quite some time. And he looks up and he sees the multitudes. And this overwhelming compassion comes over Jesus. He looks up and he starts to weep, I'm sure. And he's so broken. Because he saw all these people in front of him. Maybe they needed physical healing. Maybe he could see in their eyes that they were depressed. Maybe he could see some were demonized. Maybe he could see all these people that were just so broken in their lives. They, they were just living their lives feeling so hopeless. And he looks up and he becomes so compassionate for them. Because the Bible says they were weary and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And how many of you know that sheep with no shepherd are going to end up dying. They're going to end up dead because they're going to wander off and an animal is going to kill them and destroy them. It's true. They need the shepherd to lead them where they should go. Amen? And so Jesus says he, has, he was stirred up with this great compassion. And I told the young people last Friday, and I remind myself this morning, that if I just had a little bit of compassion yesterday when I saw those young people, that would have stirred me to go reach them. Every morning, guys, we need to wake up and say, Holy Spirit, let me be broken for people. Let me see when I see people walking down the streets drunk. May I not just say, oh, look at them. May I say, look at them. They're broken. They're drunk. They're hooked up on alcohol. They need Jesus. Break me, Lord. That's what compassion is. Compassion is wanting to meet them where they're at, not caring who they are or how they are or what they're up to. It's going to their level. It's going to where they are, where they are at, meeting them where they're at. Paul says, I become everything for everyone. I become a Jew for a Jew. I become this for that. I become a thug for a thug so that they might receive Christ. Amen? 
And so Jesus, it's compassion. We need compassion for people. We can't just live every day just in the, in the routine of life. And so often we fail at that. So often we just go about saying, look at them. There's a need there. Oh, so be it. Someone else will meet it. And when, when I need to go out and do it, I need to have compassion for them as Jesus had compassion for those people. Amen? Amen. And Jesus, the Bible says, when he told the disciples in a, in a different portion of Scripture, he was, sending, he was sending the 12 out. And Jesus says to them, don't go here, don't go there. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. Go, don't go to the churches. Don't go to all these other groups and organizations. You go and search out the lost. He's sending them out for the work of the Lord. You go and you find lost, broken people. And so they did just that, amen? Jesus says he was moved with compassion because of they were scattered like sheep. Now, how many of you know, we've, we've touched it already, but if there's a lost person out there, if there's someone who's broken, they're, they're hooked on drugs or, or alcohol, they're just living a life of depression and oppression, and it just seems to be going nowhere for them. We, you know, we can do things tangibly. We can, we can go and give them blankets if, if they're homeless. We can go and, and give them water and food. Jesus expects that. We can, do all the, we can give them money. But how many of you know that money won't save them? How many of you know that food won't save them? How many of you know that giving them all these things and even just spending time with them, befriending them, that's not going to save them? After we do these things, after we love them with these things, we must proclaim Jesus Christ is your hope. Ma'am, son, brother, Jesus Christ is your only hope. Because when we see them, I mean, you see them everywhere. They're walking, they're scattered. It, it, it's just ridiculous. And I said to Cindy yesterday, I said, I said, I, I, just in one day, with this one incident yesterday, God's just given me this whole new outlook on all of this. And it's like, I want, when we start the youth church again, I want it to be mainly and specifically for the street kids of Aurelia. I want to, I want to hit them. Yes, church kids can come. We need a core foundation of, of Christian kids. But, and get, we're gonna, but I want to do that. I want to go. And I want people to come with me and, and, and I want to see the broken come in to the youth church and, and saved, not for us, but for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? No matter how they are, no matter what they're going through. I want you to stand. Velta, if you can come. Uh, sure.
Praise God. Let's just stand this morning. I'm just going to close with a, a story. Pastor Jim Cimbala in Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, shared this story on one of his messages, and then we're going to close with a song. But uh, Pastor Jim, he was, uh, they, they have four services on Sunday. We do one here, and when we go home, we're drained enough as it is. And they did four services, all the way in the morning, two in the morning, two in the afternoon, right into nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And they are a church that lets the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. They don't just program it and we're out. So they, I mean, it's a long, long day for the Brooklyn Tabernacle and Pastor Jim and his wife and leadership. And he's sitting there one time, they finished the fourth and final service. He was looking forward to just going home, maybe taking a nice bath and relaxing from the long day, you know, just putting his feet up and just resting. He was beat. He was pooched. He was just worn right out. And so he says there was people praying still and people with the spirit was moving and he was, he found himself free. And so he sat up on the stage and his feet were just dangling. He took us off his shoes because people were just praying and it was just, ah, he could finally rest. He could finally just take a breather. He was so worn out. And as he's just sitting there, he looks up and he sees a few aisles down, a few rows down, this black man who just looked just disgusting. He looked dirty and filthy, he was wearing rags, and this black man was just was staring at him. And at first, because he was so tired, he was so worn out, he just wanted to end the night and go home. He just kind of eyed him and then just looked away, hoping it would just kind of, you know, he, he wouldn't approach him or anything like that. We've all been there. And I've been there many times. And he sees him, and, and next thing you know, he sees from the corner of his eye, this fellow's coming, approaching to him. This rough, he knew, homeless, just broken man. And he comes up to, to Pastor Jim and he's just sitting there. And he comes within about six feet. And he said that within six feet of him coming to him, he said he smelt a stench like nothing ever. He, he smelt feces and urine and booze. You name it, he smelled it. He said it was terrible. He, he said that when he came right up to him, he, every time that, that Pastor Jim would, would talk to him, he would turn and breathe in and then talk out. It was that bad. And he knew it. I mean, you're, we're physical bodies. We, we, we have a nose. We smell things. And when we smell things that aren't nice, we don't really want to smell them, right? It's true. And no matter how spiritual you are, you are these things still stink. And so he's sitting there, this man of God, pastor, not even want to talk to this guy. Just wanting to go home. And, and so he, he just wants to end it quickly. And, and they, they, what's your name? I forget his name. Where are you from? You homeless? Yeah. What do you, you know, what do you want? Speaking of drugs, because he could see his eyes where he was messed right up. This guy was messed right up. And he's just making small talk. What's your name? Where do you live? Oh, I live in a truck. My name's this. He looked like he was 54 or something in his mid-50s. He was 32 years old. I mean, and, and, and he just wants to get this over with. So he reaches back, pulls out his wallet. And, and this guy's just looking at him. And Pastor Jim takes his wallet out and he, and he hands him like a 20 or something. And the guy goes into his face and, and points at Pastor Jim. He says, I don't want your money. I want this Jesus that you're preaching about. And immediately the conviction of the Holy Ghost came upon Pastor Jim who is a fantastic man of prayer, a man of God. He was tired. He was in his flesh. He missed the mark. And he thought, 
as we all think at times, give them money, give them things. When really they're wanting Jesus, they know there's something and someone missing within them, deep within them. And he sat back down and he broke down, weeping in repentance, right there in front of the man. Father, forgive me. What am I thinking? I am sorry, Lord, for just trying to end this and give him money and thinking, and not even, not even wondering, does this man want Jesus or just money? And next thing you know, he's just he's weeping out of remorse and, 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 and conviction of the Holy Ghost and shame and embarrassment. He's weeping. And this black homeless man goes, and next thing you know, they're hugging and they're embracing each other. And he says, that stench that once disgusted me, I didn't want to smell it, was now a sweet fragrance of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him, this is the scent that the church needs to get used to. This is the smell that I want my people to be in contact with. Not always nice roses and nice perfumes and nice, nice, nice. I want this to be the fragrance that is in the church of Jesus Christ. And they were embracing each other. And that man gave his heart to the Lord. And he was saved. And he took him and, he, and, and this church helped him. He, his teeth were all mangled and rotten right out. They got him brand new teeth. And they fixed them up. They cleaned them up. They shaved them. They, they, they did everything. They helped this man. He, he detoxed. He got free of drugs. Free of alcohol. He's now a, minute, a pastor, I believe, out somewhere in the States. He's pastoring a church, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of one man's failure, but then it's one man's brokenness and repentance. Realizing that it's not money. Money's not the answer. Tangible, material things will not save people. It's Jesus Christ. It's loving them with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, how we need to do that. Oh, how I need to be that man of God that He wants me to be. He wants me to go out and to stop having excuses, to stop being so afraid, to stop being so busy and filled with all these other things that I have. And He wants me to take time to go to the broken people. And only by God's grace am I going to be able to do that because my natural man does not want to do that. Do you hear me? My natural man, I don't want to do that. I want to stay where I'm comfortable and safe and not in any, any danger. But my spirit burns within me. I want to be that man of God. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you now, Holy Spirit, to do that within me, to do it within every one of us here, oh God. We want to be your hands and your feet, Lord. We want to be willing vessels that will go to the dark places, that will shine the light in the darkness, oh God. Father, break us for the, for the broken-hearted people, oh God. Lord, give us compassion, Jesus, as you had when you looked upon the multitudes, Lord. Give us that same heart. Give us that same love. Lord, burden us. Awaken us. Disturb us. Convict us, Holy Spirit, until we finally do it. Lord, convict me. Continue this week to convict me, Lord, until I finally do it, Lord. You have not given us a spirit of fear. But are you giving us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind? We will not be afraid, for the Lord will go before us. And the Lord says, I will be your rear guard. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Go forth. Do what you were called to do, says the Lord. Oh, Father, do it, God. Stir it up within us, Father. Refine us, purify us, so that we can take them a pure gospel, a pure message. Not just a pity party message, but a message of hope. We don't want to just go out with emotions, Lord. We want to go out with a burden of the Holy Ghost within us. 
knowing that if people die without Jesus, they will go to hell forever. Lord, let that burn within my heart. Let that be such a reality to me, Lord. Sure, I have it. Sure, I can be anticipating a mansion in glory. Sure, I can look forward to the day I see Jesus face to face and I walk the paved streets of gold and I'm in your glory, Lord. But, Lord, so many people, Lord, they don't have that hope. And they need to have that, God. They need to know that one day they can see Jesus Christ. They need to know that there's forgiveness for their sins. Father, it's okay that we have it. Lord, it's fine that we have it. You bestow great love and salvation upon us. But what about others, oh God? What about them, God? What about others, Father? Lord, may I take my eyes off myself. Father, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for being so selfish at times, for being so consumed with my problems. Father, forgive me. Oh, God, this is what it's about, Lord. This is what the church is about, God. It's not about just meeting for an hour and a half and going home. God, it's more than that. This is life and death, Father. People need to hear you. They need to hear Jesus. Father, God, oh, Lord, do something that only your spirit can do. Do it in us, God. All of us, each one here. Do it, God. Swallow our pride. Take it from us, Lord. Father God, I'm sorry, Lord. God, I'm so sorry, Lord. God, show me what you want me to do. I'll do it, Father. I don't care, God. I'll do it, Father. And you will go before me. You will go before us. And you will be with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us, God. Oh, God. You will be there. Lord, as we're talking to these people, as we're listening to these people, you are there and your spirit will show them that this is truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah. God, nothing I can say this morning can change any of these people, but Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to, God. Lord, I proclaim your truth. I've humbled myself, Lord. Do it, God. Do it by your spirit. Make us different. Change us, oh God, from the inside out. Hallelujah. And may we take it to the streets. I pray for this ministry right now that Rick and I are doing. I thank you for it. God, may your blessing be upon that ministry, Father. And may it be used exactly what it's called to do, Father. Hallelujah. 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 We're just going to sing this song. Don't look, don't stop. Don't think it's over now because we're singing. Just worship the Lord. Call upon, open your heart to the Lord. And say, God, if you want me to do more for your kingdom, show me what it is, I'll do it. It may be something small. It may be just talking to people at work. It may not be going out street evangelizing right away. I don't know where it's going to start for me, but it's going to start for each one of us somewhere new this week. Let it be. Ask the Lord. He'll show you. He'll reveal it to you. And then just do it. Then just do it. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.